Yeah, I, I mean, the big difference between uh, sports betting and, and financial betting is is the pricing of the market. So right. financial, fi fi financial markets are priced by the market. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Life Trading Pivot Podcast. Back again with my co-host, Dean. And uh, today we have a special guest with us. We got Andy Murray. He's the Chief Commercial Officer with Trade Nation. So, Andy, how are you? Really good, Dan. Really good. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think you and Dean go back a little bit. I don't know if you guys want to just run through how you guys met and, and uh, kind of what attracted you guys both to, to each other? Well, I think, I think a Andy and I have two things in common. We like golf, we like trading. So it was a no-brainer that eventually our paths were going to meet, right? That was just a no-brainer. So, you know, I've not played golf with Andy yet, but that is definitely on my bucket list. So uh, hopefully, because um, I'm not going to go to England and play because the weather's terrible. So hopefully Andy will, will be visiting me soon in Marbella. We can do some golf together we can exchange trading stories because andy trades um something completely different to, to me which is cool and i, I don't want to spoil the surprise but but yeah how can people who love trading and love golf not be connected dan you know that's how i look at it Dean, it was exactly that i think covid kind of spoiled it covid has delayed that around the golf in spain yeah you know, we had some ideas to, to do a trading event with you guys um, in Spain, and, and that never materialised. So uh, that's still on the agenda. Uh, cool. But as you say, it was the fact that trading uh, and, and a life of golf um, has got us to where we are now. There you go. Awesome. So you're the uh, chief commercial officer with, with Trade Nation. Um, tell, us, tell us, I guess, first, I guess, what is Trade Nation? What, do you, what is the primary goal or mission of, of uh, Trade Nation and what is the reason Trade Nation exists? Dan, before we get into the trade, I don't want to go straight into the Trade Nation stuff. I'm, I'm to, to try and make this, um, you, you know, a, a bit more interesting for your for your viewers. Um, uh, if I give you just a little bit of background of, of where I've come from to end up yep. on, I suppose, to the other side, to, to the listeners. Um, <laughs> I, See, I was going to backtrack, but you beat me to it, Andy. You beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so um, back in the day, I'm getting on a bit now, uh, early 90s, I started out as a money broker in the um, in, in, in London. I was an interest rate swaps money broker. Um, and that was, that was the end of open outcry when you, you had a desk of brokers and they're shouting orders at each other and I was the person that had to go around and had to write the prices on the board and the brokers are obviously trying to match up the prices. I did that for a couple of years. That was hard graft. That was really hard graft. Uh, and uh, I, I was keen on trading. One thing that I, I the way that the city uh, traded, they traded in, in spread betting. Um, and uh, it was all mine, yours, you know, bid, offer. Um, and I got really into that, and I got interested in, um, you know, sports spread betting. Um, and I decided, right, I'm going to – I, I looked around the room, and the people who were good at um, 
money broking. They, 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 they were tough individuals who could go out and drink. There was it was it was a tough environment, and I thought, you know, I'm better suited to to be in in sports trading. So I went and I started. I, I fortunately got a job with a with a company in sports spread betting. And, and for the next five years, I was betting on everything. I was setting prices on horses. I was setting prices on football. Um, I think I started off on greyhounds. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was between 95 and uh, the late 90s. I had some stocks. Uh, I had some tech stocks. And, uh, you know, late 90s, you know what happened with tech stocks. <laughs> Done five years of sports spread betting, and I suddenly see my tech stocks going mad. They're just going through the roof. And I'm thinking, I'm on the wrong side of the fence here. I'm going to get into finance. Um, so I made a switch from, I was at William Hill at the time, I, I, I moved across to, to Camp Fitzgerald, you know, a big American company. Yeah. You know? um, and I went to Camp Fitzgerald and I sat at the share desk. Um, and I, I transitioned because I was a, a, a sports trader, um, you know, when I was at William Hill, I transitioned into the finance market um, and I was trading finance. So I was trading shares predominantly, but on margin. And I was in for quite a rough ride. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I started off because I'd seen everything going up. I went into to that market. I went into it that I was just a raging bull. I just, yeah. I was very naive. Um, and I just thought everything was going to go up. Uh, and so I was buying, I was buying, I was buying. And you know what happened in 2020. Uh, yeah. And I would say to this day that that year was the best year that I've ever had in trading uh, because the first half of the year, I got battered, and then I learned. I learned my mistakes, and with my mistakes, I learned that hold on a second, you don't go long in a bear market. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys are far more. I mean, you, this day, you're technical traders, and the way you do things is completely different. But um, I suddenly turned from being a bull into a bear, and I really felt like I was getting good uh, or, or getting better when there was a stock that I was short in and there was a profit warning and it came down 20%. Um, and you know, I actually went in again, <laughs> it again uh, to get the trend. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I did that and I, I love that, but the company I was with, they, they, they dragged me back into the sports world. So I went back into the sports world um, and I did that for probably another eight years. I had a bit of an accident uh, in 2008 and I ended up going to Australia. Um, um, and I went to Australia. Did you get put in prison, Andy? Is that what happened? You got arrested and they shipped you from the UK to Australia. Sorry to all my Australian listeners, but... That's how your country started. <laughs> no, I, I, I went there. I went there because I, I had some family there, and I'd had this really, really big accident, and yeah. you know the sports world wasn't going that well with with Cantor, and uh, I went over there, and I was just a trader for the first yeah. six. Um, and then I, I, 
I'd been trading in a community. Um, yeah. I'd been working and trading. I'd probably been doing more, you know, professional gambling stuff than, than actually working. Um, yeah. But, but, but I was surrounded by people. And I, I suppose this is very topical for, for the listeners because I imagine a lot of them, um, you know, work at, you know, doing this by themselves. They're not surrounded yeah. by people. But to have this, this, this forum here to hear what other people are doing is, is really, really important to keep going. Uh, because what happened when I went to Australia, I traded for the first three, six months. I did okay, but I just wasn't surrounded. I didn't have that interaction. And so I thought I had to go and do something. Um, and I didn't, I looked at my options and the, the contacts I had from, from working at cancer in the financial space meant that I then became a broker in Australia. I set up a company called LCG, well, LCG in the UK. I set up that branch in Australia. And then I did that for three years and I ended up on the license of Finta, which is now Trade Nation. And that was in, that was in 2013. Okay. Uh, so that's just a bit of a background about me. Um, no doubt you have a few more questions about my, my sporting trading um, and the parallels between that and finance. But that's, that, that gets me to the start of, of, of Trade Nation. Um, in terms of in, ter in terms of that that company, um, I can go in and give you an update of you, you know the the nine years we've been in business and it's been very very interesting. Uh, yeah. You know the regulation in the trading world has changed massively in that time. Um, yeah. We we started off as a as a B two B company, and uh, so we were providing the product, but we didn't have any interaction with the client. Uh, and we did that and through 2014 through 2015 we we got about uh 20 different brand names uh but what we were doing our partners were effectively working under our license um and the regulators uh didn't particularly like that and it, it's because of the smb in 2015 uh when that happened in january 2015 uh you know, our Pari, a few other brokers just went out of business because yeah. overnight um, the, the, the Swiss franc against the euro moved 30% and it just took out so many positions. Uh, the regulators got really scared. Um, they didn't know, they realized they didn't know what the sector was. And then they, in certain situations, they stopped taking on licenses. Other places, they, they just, you know, took on licenses very, very slowly. Uh, but what it meant was a lot of people who wanted to join the sector, they would umbrella under licenses uh, as authorized reps and the regulators didn't like that. They saw that as a shortcut. Right. Uh, and so we changed our business model to, to be a, a, a B2C business model. Um, and in 2018, we had this notion to consolidate brands under uh, more of a global name. And, and that was the start of Trade Nation. Um, okay. And we've probably been going in earnest for 18 months, although the team uh, and the operation is near 10 years old, um, we, we, we've only really been going 18 months. Okay. Uh, and we're really looking to push on. Awesome. 
But I, I don't know if Dan's got any questions, but I think the Trade Nation stuff's great because I love Trade Nation, but I really want to drill down into the whole sports trading thing. So it's like, <laughs> did you have like a set strategy that you used to do with that? And how, because for me, when I'm looking at a chart, like Dan and I trade different things. I trade Forex and futures. Dan, I think, dabbles in a little bit of futures. He's mainly stock options type of guy. Me, I'm looking at, you know, for breaks of market structure, displacement, looking for fair value gaps, getting in there fair value gaps, and that's my entry. How, how do you have a strategy around sports betting? Because well, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I'm an Arsenal fan, unfortunately, for it. Well, not unfortunately at the moment because we're top of the league, so I'm over the moon. But yeah, for six We won't talk about the Carabao Cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't need that. We've got a thin squad. But I've been yeah. hiding for six years, Andy, and now I've just come out of the woodwork because we're doing okay. <laughs> Yeah. So every every time we play a game, I'm like, yeah, like we're at home. I'm also going to win. That is, that's it. So h how does how, how do you have a strategy for like sports betting or or sports spread betting? How do, how do you formulate that? Yeah, I, I mean the big difference between a sports betting and and financial betting is is the pricing of the markets. So right. financial fi fi financial markets are priced by the market. Um, and the strategies you put around that, as you say, your technical analysis uh, is, is, is quite prescribed. But with sports betting, uh, this has changed quite a lot. You know, it's been a good 15 years since, or good, more than that, 25 years since I was doing it. Um, the, the, the pricing, where does the pricing come from? Yeah. Uh, you haven't got you haven't got the London Stock Exchange. You haven't got the NYSE that comes up with a with a, with a price and it's yeah. You you have a little bit more with Betfair now, but back in the day, the pricing would be done by individuals. Right. Um, and so, um, in my situation, I was effectively pricing up events for my company, and I would I would not look at what other people were doing because that would steer me in possibly the wrong direction. I would yeah. look. At history i would look at the head to head i would try and pick out clues about whether a team would be up for it or not and i'd come out with my pricing and if my pricing was different to, to uh, others pricing it, it was almost like an unwritten rule that you, you know you had to put your money where your mouth is right yeah that's awesome because a few of my friends are keen on sports betting and they bet on things like at the amount of throw-ons in a game or is there going to be a corner at this Dan, this is all terminology that you probably don't know, right? Being because this is all football related in the UK, but <laughs> Fo football where you throw the ball, right? Yeah. <laughs> With your hands, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. There's the football, let's throw the ball. <laughs> yeah, you get booked for that in our game. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I, I I know um, some people that do sports betting full time, and, and obviously you've you've had the luxury of doing sports betting full-time and, and i'm sure you know people in that world same thing with obviously now being in the financial industry knowing traders and things like that what what is the mentality that's very what, what are some of the, i guess both ends some of the things that are similar between just the the way that somebody might think or operate or and what are some of the differences that that you see between the two or is it just really pretty much the same that's a, a really good question dan uh i I, I think uh, there's, there's, there's so many components that, that, that go to, to, to being a good trader. Um, but, you know, high level, you can break them down, you can simplify them. And, um, you, you, you know, discipline, discipline is absolutely vital. 
doesn't matter which side of the fence you sit on discipline is 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 crucial um uh, you know getting control of your emotions is absolutely crucial um you know having having a plan and not not uh, deviating from that plan um is 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 crucial um you, you know it, it it takes time it takes time to really cement those those disciplines in i i i, I learned it um through the sports world but although i don't trade finances financials as much as you guys do i just haven't got the time i speak to a lot of people who do and it's uncanny the similarity between the two disciplines um uh, you, you, you know from from an emotion point of view if if you go into trade um and um it's it's a loss making trade it's you can't help yourself think that hold on hold on i you know i've been working today i deserve to be making money and so you go looking for the next trade and you go looking for the next trade and before you know it you're completely in no man's land away from your your, your strategy and you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing um so i i i felt like i was getting quite good as a trader when i was um, i was almost patting myself on the back when even when i'd had a loss making trade you know sometimes you yeah. have a loss making trade and you've got to pat yourself on the back and say listen i did absolutely everything right yeah, yeah. i will do the same thing again yeah i've got and you you almost support yourself um and, and likewise when you have a winning trade but you've done things wrong yeah, you've got to have a go at yourself. It's it's it's. I think that's the hardest thing to do, and it's the same on both sides. Is just enforcing that discipline, and you know, just sticking to it. Yeah, and it must be quite, so. Yeah. Sorry, go on, Dan. I'll, I'll let you go. Go on. You yeah, know, uh, I, I was going to say, I like, <laughs> I like the, uh, the the word, the use of the word discipline. Um, obviously, being in in, in both worlds, you've had to you, you have to have some kind of discipline. For you yourself, is it something that you were always born with discipline? Have, have you been? Is that something that you grew up and you just you discipline? Is it something that you kind of learned about yourself and, and had to work on the discipline portion of things? I hate to say it to 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 the new traders out there, but uh, you you I I, I learned it. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I think we all did. <laughs> I learned it through through making mistakes. And, and you know, realizing that uh, if you if if you go off piste, yeah, there's trouble yeah. um, because the, you, you don't deserve to win. Um, you have to work to win. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I think I think the discipline came um, through uh, through experience. And and funny enough. It, when I when I kind of went away from the environment where I was surrounded by like-minded traders, um, and I was doing it off my own back, and you know I, I was starting to look at other things, I was spending less and less time uh, doing the work behind trading, and what I found was that discipline then started to slip, and I was doing things um, a bit more on hope. And I, I hate the word hope. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, and if you start doing things that, that you, you know, you hope you, you, you're, you're, you're going in the wrong direction. So I think it's, a, I think it's, it's great if you were born a very disciplined person, um, you, you know, you, you, you've got to have a bit of risk taking uh, part about you to get into trading in the first place. Yeah. So um, I think it's very much a learn a, a learned attribute. So, are you, are you are you a football fan, Andy? Do you, do you have a team? Can I ask yeah, that? Do, do, do I dare to ask that? Team before you have a go at me. Yeah. <laughs> before I tell you the name of the team I support, my grandfather took me there from the age of six. Yeah. Right. Okay. And and we were really really bad. But okay, when we, when I was six, we weren't that bad. But but growing up, we were really bad. Um, but 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 now we're probably going to win the Premiership. As long as you're not Spurs, then uh... no, Spurs. No, I'm, I'm I'm Manchester City. I was born. No, I'm a Man City fan. Wow, you've definitely got. Hopefully not this year. You never know. We, we might. It depends how we get on in the World Cup with the injuries and things. Not to wind you up. <laughs> But that's yeah. so. So, would you would you bet on Man City, or would you be like, look, actually, my emotions are involved. Well, to be honest with you, you probably growing up with Man City, you would probably just bet against them, right? Because you know, I, I remember when I watched Man City a few years ago. From I used to live in Bermondsey, so uh, mm-hmm. and I remember what I watched Millwall Man City, and just thought, wow, this is a terrible game of football because I used to play. I was like, this is terrible. Like, I can get into either two sides. So. Would you just bet against your team because you feel like these are just crap? But or would you like? Could you take your emotions out of it? And and how would you strategize around that? I, I, I didn't really used to bet on Man City. I didn't really bet on yeah. the football that much. But and um, you, you know, if, if we're, we're all value hunters, yeah. yeah. If we see value, yeah, um, then we will trade. I mean. Um, the sports side is the same as the finance side. It's all risk reward. Yeah. Uh, if we think that the reward is better than the risk, we will get involved. I, I, I steered clear of of, um, of of betting on Manchester City, but if I saw, so I, I had bet on them a few times when I just thought the value is overwhelming, um, based on the fact that I kind of knew how that team clicked more than others. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I would I would trade then. And I did have, I must confess, I did have one hedge, um, in, an emotional hedge in 2012 when it was between Man City or Man United who was going to win the league. And we hadn't won the league for 43 years. And I had the a Aguero moment. moment. That was the Aguero moment. <laughs> Dan, have you ever seen the Aguero moment? I challenge you at some point to go and Google that because even, it even had me cheering for Man City <laughs> when he did that. I was just like... Basically, let me just set the scene for, so everyone understands. It was between Man City and, and Manchester United, bitter rivals to win the league, right? And Man City just needed to, to win, or even draw, was it? I don't know, win or draw, but all they needed to do was win. And then Manchester United have just won their game. And Man City's game is slightly delayed. It's in extra time. And they just need to score to win. They was up and then they were down. They, they they were losing. They had to win. Yeah, Man United finished earlier, and the the, the manager of, of Manchester United, Alex Ferguson, at the time, he heard that Man City were losing. He actually got a tie out allegedly, yeah, and it was twenty Premiership victories. They were popping champagne there. Uh, Man City got what was considered a consolation in the ninetieth minute. 
Um, and then in the 93rd minute, 24 seconds or whatever, uh, Aguero gets the winner. Uh, if this was in a script for a film, <laughs> you would not believe it. It was unreal. It was like euphoria. Like it, even people who I know who are not Man City fans, for some reason, they were just cheering because they just got caught up in the moment. It was unreal. Like, you need to Google this stuff. One of those uniting moments. We're just, yeah, it doesn't uh, matter what team you're like, all right, that's sports. Exactly. And I had an affinity with Man City because of that reason until this season where now that we're going to win the league and they're not. So now I don't care about them, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, well, that's cool. But that, uh, brilliant. So I think, so how did you end up becoming, I know you, you, you briefly touched, uh, touched on, on, on Trade Nation. You said that Trade Nation has been going for a few years, but technically it's 18 months, I suppose, since like the rebrand and the new objectives since it's B2C. What separates Trade Nation from um, regular brokers, for example, especially because I'm a Forex guy, so I know, I know, but I want you to tell our, our listeners why that is, because I'm, I'm keen for your platform. I, I, I mean, the, the, the honest truth, Dean, there's, there's not much that really separates brokers uh, out there. It's quite a standardized product. Um, um, yeah, okay, there's different platforms. Um, but you, you know, given the, the regulation restrictions, uh, that are pretty set, uh, we, you can't do much with, with, with the product. Uh, what I'd like to say, um, you, you know, we're trying to do a trade nation, um, it, we're trying to, to create a brokerage that puts the client first. I mean, I know we've talked about this in, in, in the past and, um, we, 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 we massively want to put the client first and, um, it, you know, there's some bad stories out there about brokers and what they do to clients to go stop hunting. And, um, you, you, you know, they, 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 they just, they just have business business models where clients are flowing through and they need, need to keep on filling the funnel. We want to build our brand in a different way. We want to build our brand. We want to get clients on board. We want to give clients the best experience possible. We want we want to get clients talking to others and saying, "Yeah, I've had no problems with Trade Nation. I, you know, I'm not getting stopped out. I'm getting good pricing." So, um, I I would say our USP. If someone asked me what is our USP, our USP is probably value. Um, okay. you, you know, the costs of trading. Um, you want to keep your cost of trading down to to a minimum. It's quite it's quite hard to get that message across uh, to the market uh, because there's there's so many brokers that will go out and say we uh, spreads from zero, uh, <coughs> but then they've got commission charges and they're variable spreads, and you know when you're actually transacting, are you getting zero? Uh, yeah. What happens when there's a figure? Um, you, you know, so it, it's it's quite of a quite a murky area, and you've got to do some really detailed research to to work out, you know, what the actual spread, what the actual cost of trading is, um, and we we have done done that work, and you know, it's forever changing. We can't go and say we are half the price of that company and a third of the price of that company. We know that we are. But there's 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 marketing reasons why we can't go and do that. Um, it, for me, it is if my mother was a trader, she's not. But if my mother was a trader, 
um, you, you, you know, that's the first thing I'd say to her. You've just got to look after the cost you're trading. Um, yeah. And we'd like to think that we, we, we provide that. Um, and, you know, the, less and less these days is, you, you know, people are interacting over the phone. Um, but, you know, when they do, they want, they want a person at the end of the phone. <coughs> They don't want a bot. They don't want an automated response. Um, you know, if they've got a problem, it's so so much easier to talk it through with someone on the phone. So, you know, that's another thing that we we, we strive to do. So with, with uh, Trade Nation, um, obviously there's a ton of different assets that can be traded and stuff. Does Trade Nation focus or uh, primarily focus into one asset class? Is, is all assets available as far as stocks, futures, cryptos? Uh, options. Uh, yeah, good, good, good question. We we don't do a lot of what you've just said. We don't we don't do options. Uh, we don't do futures. Um, uh, can I stand stand back on the cryptos because we will be doing cryptos. We're not doing them as yet. Uh, we we do do them in part, but we're going to do them um, a bit more thoroughly. Uh, I mean, we focus on CFDs and, and spread bets, uh, spread trades. If it's if you're outside of the, the UK, um, and we do them across a variety of asset classes. You know, uh, yeah, FX. I mean, we probably got <laughs> we probably got about forty FX pairs. But you know, if there's a good reason for for us adding more, we could add more. But forty covers the majority. Uh, we do um, indices. Um, I would say the majority of our business falls on the American indices, um, S&P and Dow. Um, we do commodities, but commodities in the market, probably 5% of the market and, and shares, um, they probably make up another 5%. So the split, yeah, there's a lot of Forex providers out there. Um, you, you know, the MT4 Forex providers who just solely do do FX um, because they don't have to pay for the feeds of all the, the other products. That's one reason why they do that. But generally speaking, uh, in terms of asset class, you've probably got 40% indices, 40% FX, and then commodities and, uh, and, and shares and a few bits and pieces making up the rest. All right, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Real Life Trading Pivot Podcast. Once again, thanks to Andy Mary from Trade Nation. If you guys haven't seen, there's the links below. Make sure you guys click on that for all the information, ways to contact us, and vital information for you guys. But we will catch you on part two of this episode next week. See you guys later.